This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host, Ty Brown of TyTheDogGuy.com, and this is the show where we help you start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six figures per year or more profit. And today I'm going to be having a real different type of show, a different type of episode. We're going to be talking about adversity in our business and how to overcome adversity and I'm going to be opening up and, and sharing a lot on the challenges that we've faced and kind of getting vulnerable here with you. So stick around. We're going to talk about adversity and, and what we can do to, to work on it. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative. With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S., Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EZPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we're back, and welcome to the show here. This is going to be a different one. It's going to be different because I'm going to get a little bit open and vulnerable, and I'm going to talk about stuff that I've never really talked about before on this show, and and maybe even in other places as well, and I'm going to be talking about adversity and the challenges that we face, and things that I've done and things that I've seen other people do to kind of help overcome adversity and things like that, because I think our industry, working with pets, working with dogs specifically, is different in this sense. I think we experience burnout at rates that we don't often see in other professions. I think we see more emotional challenges that we don't see in other professions. And it makes sense. I mean, think about like other service-based businesses. You know, think about a plumber. If you're a plumber and you're going into people's homes to fix their toilets and unclog their drains and stuff like that, you don't get involved in their lives very much. I mean, they might be a talkative client and you're there for a little bit, but you do the job and you're done, right? And you go on to the next one and the next one and the next one. Or the same thing if you're an electrician or if you're a HVAC guy or, or whatever the case might be. In the service industry, there's a lot of service folks that you know go to their clients' homes or have people come to them, but they kind of do the job and they're done, you know? You bring your car into the mechanic, they fix it, you're done. You don't have much of a relationship beyond that. And that's where we're different. You know, as dog trainers, pet sitters, dog walkers, groomers, uh, veterinarians, things like that, it's not a one and done. You know, if you're a dog trainer, you're meeting with them several times. Same thing if you're a dog walker, if you're a pet sitter, you know, things like that. We get involved in their lives more. We get involved with their challenges more. We get Christmas cards from them. You know, we get, it's a much more intimate type service than just about any other one that I can think of outside of maybe like personal trainers, you know, who help people get fit and lose weight and things like that. But with pets, we're dealing with these family members, right? You know, we're dealing with these, these little creatures that live with them that are so meaningful to them. 
And it's not just a one and done. You know, we meet with them a lot and we get to know them and we get to know the people, we get to know the dogs. And so it's so much more of an intimate type service that it really leads to higher highs. You know, like most of the friends that I've had over the years have been either people on that work in my company or clients of my company. I haven't really made other friends outside of that. And we get to experience these really high highs when we see our clients and their dogs do well and their lives are improved. But it also leads to really low lows. Nothing can ruin a day for me more than a client that's unhappy. Nothing can ruin a day for me more than, you know, hearing how somebody had to put their dog to sleep or something like that. And that's what makes our business so much different. And so I want to share with you a little bit about what my own career arc has been through, because maybe you'll be able to see some of your own career arc and you'll be able to spot mistakes that I made or solutions that I found. And maybe it'll be helpful to you. And to be completely honest, I'm in one of the lowest parts of my business that I've ever had. And it's it's a challenge for me. And I wanted to do this partially for my own therapy. I don't talk about stuff a lot. I tend to be a closed off person when it comes to my challenges and I don't share them that much. And I feel the need to share a little bit for my own therapy. And I'm really hoping that it can help other people too, as I talk about it. So, so yeah, let me give you a bit of, uh, let me give you some of my, my story arc here, my, my career arc. I got started training dogs when I was in high school. I was 14, 15 years old. I opened up the Yellow Pages. This is back when the Yellow Pages was a thing. I'm 40 now, so 25, 26 years ago. Opened up the Yellow Pages, found a dog trainer. There was only probably about three of them in the Yellow Pages and called them up. And I said, look, you know, I'm a teenager. All I want to do is work with dogs. Can I work for you? And the trainer on the other end of the phone was like, sure. He was a great guy. He still is a great guy. In fact, we're friends to this day. And uh, he had actually got his start in a very similar way. You know, I think he was 16 or 17 when he kind of apprenticed for a dog trainer. So I think part of his motivation was, was paying it forward, right? You know, someone had done that for him. He wanted to do it for somebody else. So during some of my high school years, I apprenticed for him and and it was great. You know, I learned an enormous amount about dogs and training and, and things like that. But my parents really pushed me to not choose dog training as a profession. I mean, bear in mind, this was the 90s. The profession was way different back then. There was way less dog trainers out there. The lifestyle wasn't great. It was a low-paid profession. And I did well in school. I never did end up, like, finishing college or anything. But, like, I had good grades in high school. I was a smart kid, and, and my parents wanted me to go do something professional, you know? And I don't blame them, but they didn't want me to do it. And so, so anyways, I did it during high school. Um, and then I left, uh, I left California. That's where I grew up, you know, when I was 17. And, uh, and moved to Utah, um, where I had some brothers living, and I wanted to live around my brothers. And then after that, I lived in Spain for a couple years. I was on a, a mission for my church. And then after that, I came back to the United States and was in Utah and, and wanted dog training to be my profession, but had no way, no understanding on how to do it. And this was 2001, 2002, had no idea how to do it. And then back then, monster.com, I don't even know if monster.com is still a thing, but monster.com was a thing. And uh, I want to say probably about 2003, I would have been about 23, I found a job posting on monster.com for a dog trainer in Boston. And at this point, it was 2003, maybe 2004, something like that. Uh, I was married, newly married, and anyways, talked myself into this job out in Boston. And I did it for two years, and it was fun. There was a lot, I had a lot of fun. 
It was a tough work environment, but it was fun in that, you know, we would import dogs from Europe, shepherds, Malinois mostly, train them for protection and then deliver them to the rich and famous around the world. So here I was, this 23, 24-year-old kid traveling the world, dealing with Shaquille O'Neal and, and Jesse Ventura and owners of sports teams and rich and famous folks, right? And it was great. You know, that part was great. But I got a little bit of burnout. Like, I didn't see, you know, I didn't see how I could start a business like that. And so I, uh, at the time, I found a a case study of a guy who was making a million bucks a year with with a dog training ebook. And I was like, let me try that. And so I started digging into internet marketing and stuff like that. And in fact, some of you know who this guy was. I didn't know him at the time. We've since become friends. Um, is Adam Katz. You know, he was making a ton of money with an ebook, and I thought, let me try to do that. And around the same time, I had to leave that job in Boston because my wife was pregnant. We were going to have a child, and uh, and she really wanted to stay home. You know, once we started having kids, and um, there was no way my salary in Boston was going to cover us, you know, as a single income household. So about this time, I'm 25, 26, we moved back to Utah. I'd been a professional dog trainer for a couple years at this point, knew how to train, but didn't see a path. And so I didn't know what to do. And so I started internet marketing and trying to sell eBooks and stuff like that and, and made some money. Didn't do great, but you know, I started from there doing, you know, video courses and stuff like that. And was making some money, but not enough to to support our family. And so literally, I never intended on starting a dog training business, but I was working this graveyard factory job while I was also trying to go to school and trying to make money with my eBooks and stuff. And was hating the factory job more than anything, but didn't see a way into training. And so I just kind of as a last resort, just put up a website. And at the time, we were so broke. And it was $10 a month for me to do this website for my local business. I decided, to, well, let me let me start a local business. You know, let me start a dog training business for pets. This was probably about 2005, maybe 2006. Let me start a, a business for pets. So I put up a website. It's 10 bucks a month. And that's literally all the money we had. I didn't have a cell phone. We had one vehicle that my wife and I shared, and it was an old Chevy Blazer that was falling apart. I had actually just trained somebody's dog at the factory where I worked, and and we made a deal. She gave me an old um, Ford Ranger that didn't have third gear that was falling apart in in exchange for training her dog. And so I, like, no cell phone, a beat-up old pickup truck. That's all I had to start my business and $10 a month that I could put towards this website. And so I built the website. Obviously, I had no traffic to it. At the time, thankfully, it was easier to get traffic. And at the time, I approached a local morning radio show and I said, hey, April, I believe it was April, April is National Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Month. And I knew that they loved pets and animals because they were always talking about their own pets on the show. And, and it was my favorite show too. And so I said, hey, you should have me. I'm a dog trainer. You should have me come in. And we can talk about it. And so they're like, that's a good idea. So I came in and I talked about dog training. And long story short, I started going in about once a week for a couple years. And that was huge. That was huge for me establishing my name and, and getting my business going and stuff like that. And that first year, you know, of being full-time, we did six figures. And so I think I was 26 the first time I made six figures, and I was thrilled because I was making $12 an hour at the factory. So with some overtime, you know, probably about 27, 28,000 was what I was making there. And I went from that to six figures, and I felt on top of the world. You know, this 26-year-old kid on top of the world. And the next six years were a whirlwind. You know, that first year I did over a hundred thousand 
within a couple years, I was at 200,000. By about year five or six, I was at $300,000 a year, making really good money. And at a complete breakdown mentally. I shouldn't say complete because that's that's maybe offensive to folks that have had like larger, but I was having a large meltdown. I was working way too much. I had no help. I didn't know anything about hiring. I didn't know anything about growing a business. In fact, I didn't think I could grow a business. I was like, no one's going to train the way that I train. And so here I am with my first, you know, entering my first huge challenge in my business. I hadn't been challenged by revenue, thankfully. Overall, my clients were happy. And so things were going well there, but I was just so burned out. In fact, I was making money off of another trainer. I guess you could say he was part of the team, but he was somebody that lived about four hours away in Southern Utah. This We're back in Salt Lake and he was in Southern Utah about four hours away and he knew what we were doing and he liked it. And so, you know, we, we kind of added a added a city onto our website, St. George, Utah. And so he started working for us. But here I was about 31, 32. And I had, at this point, I did have somebody answering phones and doing some office work. And I did have another trainer working for me down in in St. George, but I was just burned out and I couldn't do it anymore. And so what we did is we had that trainer move up. He and his family moved into our home and my wife and I, and at this point we had now four kids, we moved to Costa Rica for a year. We were intending to be gone forever, but we moved to Costa Rica for a year where I was able to even out. And our trainer, Joe, and our office person, they ran the business. And sure enough, I didn't have systems. I didn't have great marketing. I didn't have things in place. And so revenue started to go down. You know, um, it was 300 and something thousand. I think that year when we were gone, it was like 250,000 or something. So like we're doing okay. We lived on the cheap in Costa Rica, but I was realizing, okay, things aren't working. You know, we're going to run out of money here if we're not careful because we're paying him well and we were paying our office manager. And, and of course we had to, you know, we were living on the cheap in Costa Rica, but you know, still that's three, four, $5,000 a month. And so we're there about a year and realize, okay, we got to come back. We got to actually grow this business. And so for me, dealing with that breakdown, dealing with that overwhelm, I had to get away from it. And I've realized since then that that's my natural tendency is to run from a problem. <laughs> you know, dogs have fight and flight and avoidance. I've got flight. You know, when there's a problem, I want to run. You know, I just want to not deal with it. Uh, and I want to avoid it. I want to flight. I want to the whole nine yards, right? And I realized how I just couldn't do that. I had to come back and face my challenges. And so that's going to lead to kind of the second chapter here. Give me a minute. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and kind of get into the second chapter and lead into what's going on right now and how I'm dealing with it and how I'm working through challenges. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
Okay, we're back. And so we're talking about dealing with adversity. And if you're still with me, you might be seeing some of yourself in the adversity that I was feeling, where I was just working too hard, even though the money was good. I was working too hard and just had to get away. Had to get away. We moved to Costa Rica and yeah, had to get away. There for a year, and we decided to come back. And in coming back, I realized we had a really great trainer working for us. We had a great office manager. Let's grow this thing. <laughs> and so I did what a lot of dog trainers do. We got a building, a 4,000, maybe 4,500 square foot building. And we said, let's add daycare and let's add boarding. And at the time, I didn't realize what a disastrous thing that would be for me. I know some dog trainers can make this work, and I'll tell you why it didn't work for me and maybe give you a word of advice on things to avoid. But yeah, so we added daycare, we added boarding, and of course, now we had to start hiring more. And so we did. And at first, you know, we paid peanuts, you know, because the business wasn't making that much money. You know, we had all these new expenses. We had rent, we had new utilities, we had all sorts of new expenses. I still didn't have systems down. You know, I still didn't have great systems for onboarding a customer. I still didn't have great systems for marketing, for sales. You know, things were kind of cobbled together. But in that cobbled together inertia, we grew, you know, and we started getting back up to 300,000, 400,000, got to about, I want to say five or 600,000 out of this 4,500 square foot building. And I don't even remember how many employees we had at the time, maybe five or six. You know, we had some kennel techs, people that were moving into trainers, you know, stuff like that. And we're growing but we're outgrowing the building. And so we start looking for a new building. And now we find a 12,000 square foot building with a nice big yard. And we're like, this is great. Let's do it. And I'm starting to get burned out again. <laughs> but, you know, the inertia of the business is saying, just get a bigger building. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, if we just get bigger, I can hire more people and I can give myself a break. And that mindset is the same mindset of a lot of people who have a dog who's misbehaving like crazy. And they say, if I just get another dog, it'll fix the problem. And I'm sure that has happened before. It mellows the second dog out. But more often than not, if you're in dog training or, or something like that, you know that if you've got a problem dog and you add another dog to the mix, you typically have now two problem dogs. You generally don't fix the first problem. But I had that mindset, like a lot of dog trainers do. Oh, if I just grow enough, I can hire enough people. But I found out later, I didn't have the margins. And so, yeah, we would hire new people, but the margins weren't great. And so it's not like I was making a ton more money. In fact, we still weren't paying people great. So we started having turnover with our kennel techs. We decided to add grooming. And so now I've got a groomer working there. And so I've got grooming, I've got daycare, I've got boarding, and I've got training which is the dream that a lot of trainers have. Oh, I want this, this facility that does everything. That was my dream. From a 15-year-old kid, that was my dream. And here I was now a 30, what was I? I don't know, 35 years old, 36 years old with this big facility, and I was miserable. I was miserable because I didn't have systems. I didn't have processes. And I was miserable because we got scammed. And let me tell you the story there, because you have to be careful in taking out loans and things like that. We got scammed by, I'm not going to say his name. If you're ever curious, you're welcome to reach out to me. He was a gentleman that was in, what's it called? One of those, one of those flip shows, right? You know, they, they buy a house, they fix it up, they flip it. Well, he was in one of them in Atlanta. I won't tell you his name, but he was in Atlanta. You're welcome to reach out to me. I met him at a Facebook ads conference. So we're at a Facebook ads conference. And at the time we were still in the 4,000 square foot building and we needed a bunch of money to get into the 12,000 square foot building. 
And so it's before the conference. I just happen to be hanging, you know, there's a little breakfast thing and I'm meeting, just talking to people. Hey, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And this guy says, I help businesses get money, you know, to expand. And I was like, no kidding, because we've been talking with banks and no banks want to loan to us. He's like, yep, that's what I do. I help people do this. And so what he did to get us into this large building was got us into some very risky loans. Now, I take my own responsibility that I should have done better due diligence, but I did trust him as an expert. And what he did was he got us into two very high interest loans, but he said, here's how it works. We start out with these two high interest loans and you're going to pay the interest on them for two or three months. And it's going to be big. It's going to be big interest. But I have this third lender who's standing by, and he gave me the name of the lender. This lender is standing by and they just want to see that you have a history of two or three months of paying it. And then they'll consolidate it into more of like a regular, like seven to 10 year business term. And then it'll be a very manageable payment. And so it was only supposed to be two to three months of this incredibly high payment. And I'm not going to tell you how high it is, but you could buy a vehicle every month out of the payment, like a, a pretty nice vehicle every month out of the payment we were paying, but it was only supposed to be two or three months. And so we're in the building, it's two or three months, you know, we're still talking with this guy. Hey, when are we going to be able to consolidate the loan? These payments are killing us. It's four months now and he's answering our calls less. It's five months now and we're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And they're, they're not answering our calls anymore. We're six months into what was supposed to be two to three months of paying and I finally get his wife on the phone. I still remember this because I call over and over and over and over until she finally picks up the phone and she's like, yeah. You know, I'm like, what are you, why are you so nonchalant? Like, we can't get in touch with you guys anymore. We have to get this loan consolidated by this other company. We're dying over here. And so she's like, oh, uh, yeah, here's, here's the name of the contact at the company. Just give him a call. He'll take care of you and hangs up. And I was like, oh, thank, okay. Thankfully I finally got the contact name. And so I call the guy and the guy's like, oh yeah, you're Ty Brown. I have no idea why you're calling me. I've been telling them over and over and over, we can't do this loan for you unless we have like a huge amount of collateral. And we didn't have a huge amount of collateral. You know, we didn't have a half a million dollars of home equity or, you know, a whole bunch of equipment or something like that. We didn't have it. And my heart sunk. And at that moment, I realized these guys had scammed us, that they just wanted the origination fees and they wanted the fees up front. They had nobody ready to take on the loan. They had lied to us. They had scammed us. And they had made a whole bunch of money off their origination fees and we got left holding the bag. Long story short, we were able to do some refinancing and we were able to, on our own to figure out and kind of dig our way out over the next couple years. But I was so disillusioned with this and I was so burned out again. In fact, the Costa Rica level of burnout, I was there times two. And I still remember sitting in my closet screaming and crying because I thought I was going to lose this business and just trying to like, yeah, as an adult man, just screaming because I wanted to hide from my family. I wanted to hide from everybody. I just wanted out. It was too much pressure. You know, we had been dealt a bad hand. We had been screwed over by these guys and now we're left holding the bag and I just wanted out. So like I say, we were able to restructure everything. We actually got rid of the building because I started realizing that most of the problems I had, because not only did I have this financial problem, but the problems I had at the building, almost all of my days were spent dealing with problems. That's it. You know, it was this client's not happy about this and it was this client's not happy about this. And I realized we don't have systems and we don't have a, an ability to pay people well enough. And so 
I became the guy who was trying, you know, that when somebody wasn't happy with their trainer, I filled in. When somebody wasn't happy with this, I filled in. I was there seven days a week and I was miserable. I was back to where I was years before, only worse. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt that. Just felt that like, okay, I've got 20 people that are depending on me. I've got all these dogs that are depending on me. I've got this business I put my life into, my blood, sweat, and tears, and I don't know what to do. So we restructured, we got rid of the building, and so we got rid of a lot of the expense, and we actually restructured in such a way that we paid our trainers more. We got rid of boarding and daycare, we got rid of grooming, and rid of the building, and we actually moved again. We moved to South Carolina because I wanted to be near the beach again. (laughs) I'm starting to realize that whenever I get stressed, just put me near a beach and I can start to recover. But we moved to South Carolina and started running the business remotely, you know, still running it in Utah, and started working on actually turning it into a business. You know, I'm, I don't know, 10, 11 years into it now, and finally it's turning into a business where we start building out processes for hiring. We start building out processes for how the training should happen. Not enough processes. You know, we found out later, in fact, that I'm coming to right now here soon, but building out processes to where we can actually grow in a healthy way. And so that was roughly three years ago. And I've spent the last three years of my business loving my business for the first time. Loving my business because it's finally, you know, making the money that it's supposed to, that it's finally running the way that it's supposed to for the most part. I I don't want to pretend it's perfect. Like we still, like we're still working on systems and probably will be till the day we die. But we finally have systems in place to where things just run quite smooth, which leads me to right now, which is where... Like I say, this is the therapeutic part for me, but a part where I think maybe a lot of you guys will be able to relate. But before I get to right now, I want to express, I've just said it, but I I can't over-express, I can't over-exaggerate, I can't over-anything, how important it is to create systems. Systems for everything that you do, every single part of your business, how the phone call should go, how the training should go, how the email should go, templates for emails, scripts for how things should be said, how everything should go. Because it's taken me 15 years to get to the point to where we've got things in good shape. Well, 12 years. Because the last three years, I've actually enjoyed this business more than I have the previous 12 before it. The past three years, I've, yeah, past three years, I've enjoyed it a lot because we've created systems. Created systems around everything that we do. And I wish I could go back to 25, 26 year old me and say, look, dummy, everything that you're doing, write it down, film it, everything, create manuals, create books. Because had I done that, I would have avoided so much pain, so many problems. So much. In fact, I'm not the one that spearheaded the manuals. It's been my wife. It's been our office people. I'm not the guy that's good at that. And I wish I would have gotten other people on board with me earlier to create these systems and these problems. Because so much of the pain that I've had, and this business I have has has given me the highest highs and it's given me the lowest lows. There's times that I've hated and cursed this business and said, why couldn't I have just gotten a job where I go to work from nine to five? And I come home and I don't have to think about it. There's been so many times I've done that. And then there's been so many times when we're on vacation in Cuba or Belgium or Mexico or, you know, when we've been around the world or so many times when I've had time freedom or so many times when we're able to just buy what we want to buy because we have the money that I've been so grateful for this business. But I've had so many highs and so many lows. Most of my lows could have been done away with had we had systems and processes for how to do anything and everything. And that's just the reality that if you get nothing else from this this episode, get that out of it. But also get out of it that the pain that you felt because of your business, other people have been there too. 
I have. I've been there. The business has caused me pain and I've caused me pain and I've caused other people pain. I look back and I'm realizing that over the course of this business, I had an old employee, you know, post something on her Facebook recently and about an, a situation she had at work years ago. And I realized it was about me. And I called her up and I said, look, what did I do? I'm, I'm sorry. And she said, here's what you did. And, and I looked at it and I objectively said, yeah, I could see why that would have upset you. And so I apologized and hopefully made things better. But like I look back and I've caused pain to so many people. I want to say inadvertently, and, and I know that to be true, but I've still caused pain. And I've recognized how much this business can be tied to pain and how much it can be tied to pleasure. And this stuff can be so much more pleasurable if you have systems. I don't want to like bring it all down to that because, you know, the way that I talked with this person wasn't a lack of systems. It was me losing my temper, you know, once and making this person feel a negative way. But what I'm getting at is I've caused pain. I've had pain caused to me and recognize that the biggest pain comes as you get closer and closer to your goals. I'm in a point right now, which leads me to present day. I'm sitting here in a parking lot recording this, just in a moment of reflection because this past month has maybe been the worst month of my life. And I'm kind of chuckling as I say that because I need to chuckle. I thought the worst pain I could ever feel was when I was betrayed by basically a stranger, you know, and that was a six-figure error. That was a six-figure scam. We lost a lot of money because of that. We lost a lot of time. We lost a lot of momentum. We lost a lot because of that. But I'm realizing that the betrayal can be deeper, you know, with people that you care about. And had that happen, you know, team member do something so egregious, so painful to the business, so harmful to the business, and then lie about it and cause other team members to, you know, to be upset with me and things like that. And that's where I am right now. I've spent the past month away from family back in Utah, because now as a family, we live in California. We're opening up a, a new branch of our company there. And I've had to come back to California to fix a problem. And just the betrayal I feel is so hard to deal with when it's somebody that's close to you. You know, to the point to where they're, they're spreading lies to their own mother. And then now their mother is, I'm having somebody's mom reach out to me and harass me and, and harass my wife because of the lies that they've been told. And I, I get it. As a dad, I might do the same thing if I was told the same lies. But what I'm getting at is the pain in business never ends. Even though we've got systems, even though we've got challenges, the pain in business never ends. And so if the pain is never going to end... I believe that we as business owners need to be 100% certain, need to be sure that we're building up enough pleasure in the business, that we have enough time freedom, that we have enough money freedom, that we have enough other freedoms such that when we go through these massive points of pain where we're betrayed by a team member, betrayed by somebody who scams us on a loan, betrayed by a client, betrayed by a family member, whatever it is, that you can deal with it. And that's where I am now. I tried to get rid of my business before. I tried to sell it, you know, before we moved to South Carolina. And uh, anyways, long there's a long story on why I didn't sell it, but I tried to sell it because the business was causing me too much pain. And it was the second big burnout that I had felt. And I didn't want to go through it again. And now here I am in what's maybe the third huge problem I've had in my business in 15 years. And I'm fighting for it like I've never fought for this business before. The last two times I just wanted out. Get me to South Carolina, get me to Costa Rica. I don't want to do this anymore. Whereas this time, I want this business to succeed more than I've ever wanted it to succeed. 
and I'm feeling the biggest level of betrayal and the biggest level of hurt and pain that I've ever felt. And I'm fighting for it so much more because finally I have the business where I can see into the future and realize this business can be something great and amazing. Not just financially, but the impact we can have on dogs, the impact we can have on dog owners, the impact we can have on building a bigger and a more amazing team. There's so much impact that we can have in this business, in this dog business that we're in. And when the going got tough before, I just wanted to get out. And now that the going's gotten tough, we've got systems, we've got people in place, we've got a great team, we've got a lot of stuff, and it's finally got me to the point where I want to fight for what I've got and fight to turn it into something bigger and better and just more and more amazing. And so I appreciate you for listening and allowing me to indulge a little bit my own vulnerabilities, my own sensitivities. I've been having a hard time. This has been a hard month for me where feeling betrayal, feeling, you know, the extra work that I've had to do to solve a problem, knowing that people are lying about me and and putting me down, knowing that I'm not innocent, you know, in any case where I'm betrayed, I recognize the parts where I've done wrong. So I'm not trying to look for sympathy here. I'm trying to share something that hopefully a lot of you have gone through and that the way out for me is looking at this and saying, this has become a problem. What systems can I create such that it's not a problem ever again so that I can deal with it rather than have it deal with me? When we don't have the foundation and here comes the storms and the challenges, what is it? The wise man built his house upon a rock. This is the first time that my house has been built on a rock rather than the sand. And I would encourage you to look at your business and look at worst case scenarios and say, how can I better build this business on a rock so that when the storms and the rains come, I can shore up against it and I can come out stronger. Right now, like mentally, I'm in a bad place, but I know, I know we're going to come out stronger. I know I'm going to come out stronger. I hope it's sooner rather than later. And if you're going through pain, because I see this on a lot of message boards of, of dog trainers and pet sitters and dog walkers and groomers, of the problems that they're dealing with, I know these businesses cause us pain. And if you're dealing with pain, let me give you a bit of encouragement just from another guy who's also in pain that, hey, we can do this, we can get through it, and we can come out bigger, stronger, better. Thanks for listening. I encourage you to go listen to my other episodes here on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's grow these businesses. Let's turn them into something special. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.